clock in, never clock out. No way with the slackers. No, no way with the slackers. No, 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 no way with the slackers. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Welcome, welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I'm super, super excited. This is episode 60, and I have an amazing show today for you guys. Today's show is titled, Do All Christians Think the Same? And listen, this this show suggestion came from my brother, Daryl Shamble, who is the owner of Show Me Christ Records. He is a faithful supporter of Path of Revelation podcast. And so earlier this week, Daryl shot me a YouTube video from of the show Spectrum. Uh, some of you guys may be familiar with it. Um, I've seen like one other episode prior to him sharing this particular episode with me. But if you're not familiar with the show Spectrum, what they do is they conduct surveys amongst people groups and so on this particular episode that Daryl shared with me uh, the title of this episode was do all Christians think the same and so they took a group of six Christians to see their range of beliefs and values and basically they took them through seven statements And they allowed each person to respond to each statement with either strongly disagree, disagree, or somewhat disagree, or somewhat agree, agree, or strongly agree. And so what I want to do today is I want to read the seven statements and then I'm going to play after each statement. I'm going to play the responses of the six professing Christians, and then I'll give my response to the statement on whether I strongly disagree, disagree, somewhat disagree, or somewhat agree, agree, or strongly agree. And so one of the reasons why I'm doing this show today is because I found this video so interesting. Uh, Shout out to Daryl again for sharing the video. I'm not sure if he even shared the video for me to do it as an actual show. Uh, But I told him at the moment I watched it, I thought it was very intriguing. And I thought it would be a great idea because I believe that this video represents our culture. What do I mean by that? We live in a culture where many people profess to be Christians, but... What it means to be Christian varies from person to person. In other words, how I define what it means to be a Christian may be very different from what you define being a Christian to be. And so um, as I approach this this show, one of the things that I, I think is very important for us to do is to actually define biblically what it means to be a Christian. Um, but before that, one of the questions that I I had for myself even um, after I watched the show is why Christians aren't the same or why Christians don't think the same. 
because I think it's very evident that people who profess to be Christians don't always agree on minor things and even sometimes major topics. But I believe one of the reasons or two of the reasons why Christians don't always think the same is for the first uh, reason that I gave is because we don't all define what it means to be a Christian the same. And secondly, some of us are just on different are at different points in our walk with the Lord or or different levels of maturity. <clears throat> For me personally, I try to surround myself I try to surround myself with Christians and and people who challenge me to grow closer to the Lord or or people who have more of a biblical knowledge than I do. And so I think that's very important and so I also think that it's very important that we not define what it means to be a Christian based off of our emotions and our feelings. I think we have to look to the Bible to see what it means to be a Christian. And so when we look at the scriptures like John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not shall not perish but have everlasting life i think it's important that we understand that that belief isn't just a belief in jesus existence or a belief that he walked the earth and died on the cross but a belief unto the saving of our soul a belief that leads to submission and allegiance to him and not just a formality of us saying hey I'm a Christian but I'm gonna follow my my own desires and my own will <clears throat> the Bible uh, says in 2nd Timothy uh, chapter 2 verse 19 that God knows them that belong to him and then it goes on to say let everyone who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity and so listen I think it's important that we understand when it comes to being a believer a uh, being a believer doesn't mean that you're sinless or that you don't have um, fall short sometimes but there is a reality I believe that as believers if we're truly believers there should be some type of internal conflict when it comes to sin. There should be some type of conviction and grief if indeed or if in fact the Holy Spirit actually lives on the inside of us. And if there is no grief or conviction when it comes to sin, I would encourage you to examine yourself as Paul writes in, in the scriptures, examine yourself to see if you're truly in the faith. You know, because if the Spirit of God is given to lead and guide us into all truth, the Holy Spirit is given to convict us of our sins and to point us to Christ, not towards our own emotions and desires. So what I want to do is I want to hop into the survey. And again, it's seven statements and each of the six professing Christians or contestants respond 
uh, to each statement with a strongly disagree, disagree, somewhat disagree, somewhat agree, agree, or strongly disagree response to each statement. And so after their response, I'll come in and respond right after them. But let's hop into the first statement. The first statement is, I like Christian music. Christian music is good and some of it is lame, but that's the same with like any kind <laughs> yeah, of music. Yeah, any genre of music is so. the same way. I have to be like in a certain setting or a certain mind state to listen to it. I kind of agree that some is good and some is bad, but I kind of feel like 60 to 70 percent of it is not good <laughs> or like exciting, but maybe I'm kind of traumatized because I could only listen to Christian music when I was a kid, yeah, so I'm now I'm like, oh, yeah. that's relatable. <laughs> yeah, that might be part of it. So for me, I, I like Christian music. I don't like all Christian music. I'm also not um, the Christian who says all secular music is bad. Uh, for you guys who have been listening to the show, I've talked about uh, the difference between secular and profane, uh, and not and not I I believe not everything that is secular is necessarily profane, but I do believe that it is important for Christians to listen to Christian music as well as other Christian content. I also don't think someone is whack or or dope based off of their faith. I think that if someone is skillful or, or talented or whack has nothing to do with their faith. Um, it but everything to do with whether or not they just have it, <laughs> you know. But so for me, I do I do really enjoy Christian music. I listen to Christian rap as well as worship music all the time. And so yeah. So the next question though, let's hop right into the next not question but the next statement is, I have doubted my beliefs. I mean, I'm gay, I'm from like a little town in Texas. It's difficult to not question your faith because you're told that gay people can't be Christians or Christians can only follow these certain uh, rules that are set out. So for me, when I started to grow and to get a relationship with Christianity myself is whenever my faith became stronger, but it was definitely difficult and I'm still really going through that right now. There were things that I, felt like I was born knowing that God loved me and that God was good. And then when I came into the church a little bit later, there were some beliefs, because um, I'm queer, so that people were just like, this is what it is, and you can't be this, and like, this is not da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But the reason I'm in this line is because I never felt that from God. I still felt like he loves me. I can't say that I've ever doubted Christianity as being the truth um, because I experienced God at a very young age and um, all the way up until this point in my life God has constantly revealed himself to me in a very personal and intimate way but there has been multiple times where I have doubted uh, God in my walk um, and I've lacked faith 
and there has been plenty of times where I've fallen short, have given in to temptation and things of that nature. But I can't say that I've ever doubted the reality of Jesus uh, being alive and, and who he said he is. And so, yeah. So the next question or the next statement is, I support the LGBT community. <laughs> when we mention support, it means to accept. And I don't accept the lifestyles within the community, but do I love them? Do I want the best for them? I absolutely do. Do I think that we should be mean to them in church? Do I think that we should shun them from church? No. And I'm sorry that you guys had that experience because that is awful. That is horrible. No one should go to a church and feel like you need to run away from it. It's interesting though, because the thing that has hurt me the most is actually the language with which you're speaking, which is m more confusing, I think. No one actually shunned me. It was more like this, more like, I love you, but like God kind of wants to like send you to hell. I do have Christian friends who are queer or gay, and they're struggling, they're abstaining from the lifestyle, but the LGBTQ community says there's nothing wrong with that lifestyle. They're proud of that status, not remorseful or trying to be aligned with what the Bible says about it. You are literally picking one part of the Bible that you believe and throwing away everything else. There's like certain materials that we're not supposed to wear. There's certain foods that we're not supposed to eat, but we don't discriminate against people who do that. But we do discriminate against people who literally just love someone different. If you're gonna disagree with it, you also have to understand like the weight of what you are asking a queer person to do. When you look at someone and you feel like they're attractive and you have to disagree with that part of yourself every second of the day, you have to tell yourself that's freaking wrong, that's freaking wrong. And at like every second, like you don't think that I should, I should not marry a woman that I love? I'm not saying you should be alone, I'm saying at the basis of anything, I want you to be who God created you to be. And I know that for you, you're believing that I was created this way to love this way. But I would actually wonder because you're like, well, I wanna love who I wanna love, there's that attraction. But when I, it's like, where do you draw the line when there's, I'm attract, I'm a grown man, I like little boys. I am a person, <laughs> I like, and I know Girl. that you don't agree with that, but there are lines because that if we go by same. how we, you know that's not the same I know you don't agree with that, and I know that it is the same. I think the LGBT is like a huge topic within the Christian community, but it doesn't make it any worse than, like I drink and stuff, and sometimes I drink in excess, which is a sin, um, but it just doesn't get, that's normalized, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't get attacked as frequently as like an LGBT would, like community would, you know what I mean? I just define support differently. Um, I think you can completely support somebody's right to love and feel love without supporting homosexual activity. Homosexual activity is sinful. Raping a child is sinful. We can argue about what's worse or what's more acceptable or what our society has normalized, but at the end of the day, we all sin and we all sin in different ways and none of those sins should be celebrated, none of those sins should be condoned, and all of us should be working not to change who we are, but to become more like Christ. I believe if we profess to be Christians and followers of Christ,
that what he says is more important than what anyone else has to say, including ourselves. And so just because I feel something strongly doesn't mean that it's right. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto a man. And I think that we live in a culture that strives to normalize homosexuality, even though the Bible says that it is a sin. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And so the Bible is very clear about homosexuality along with other sins and and we as Christians and and those who profess to be be Christians if we have uh, homosexual desires um, along with any other sin the Bible says we're to deny ourselves the Bible says if any man will come after Christ he must first deny himself pick up his cross and follow him. And so one of the fundamental truths and foundations of Christianity is to deny your own will. But I think this goes back to one of the original points that I made at the beginning of this episode is how not everyone who professes to be a Christian defines what it means defines what it means to be a Christian the same and so I think the best way for us to define what it what what it actually means to be a Christian is to go to the Bible and so if I have strong emotions and not just to harp on homosexuality but I think homosexuality is such a hot topic today because it is something that is constantly being pushed in the media in politics in commercials and cartoons now and so I think this this sin may be singled out um, sometimes more than others because I think that it is such a cultural shift that is happening in today's society and so as Christians, I think it's very important for us to deny ourselves and, and, and really stick to what the Bible says. You know, that's that's the thing about being a Christian. There are things about each of us that are anti-God within our flesh. And so the last thing that we should be doing as Christians is following our emotions or our heart. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible never tells us to trust in our heart. It says trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And so um, to the to the comment, I support the LGBT community. I would have to say that 
I don't support the LGBT community, but that doesn't mean that I don't love homosexuals. Um, I think one of the biggest lies of today's society is that the LGBT, many in the LGBT community has equated not supporting them to not loving them or not supporting them to being homophobic. And that, in my opinion, is a strong fallacy. I think it's wrong because I don't have to support something that I believe is wrong, but I can still love you. I can still show you the love of Christ. I can still show you compassion. And so just like I'm not going to support someone cheating on uh, a, a one of my, a friend or, or, or an associate cheating on his wife or someone who is in fornication or someone who is a thief. I'm not going to support uh, the lifestyle of homosexuality, but I love the person. And so the next statement is God loves everybody equally. got some explaining to do over there. <laughs> it sounds great to say God loves everybody and, does, and God does love everybody, but I don't believe equally. He loves his own children more than the others in the world. He would not send someone that he loves truly to hell. He is love. That's what his embodiment is. So I think it's impossible for him to not show love towards his children. I don't think it's, there's varying degrees. I think it's all standardized against everyone. Like everyone is loved equally. So to the statement, God loves everyone equally, my, re my response to that is yes and no. And, and let me explain why. The Bible says that in Adam, we all die. Or in other words, in Adam, we're all made sinners. And, and, and because of sin, sin brought the curse of death. So in Adam, we all die. But the Bible says that by Christ, many will be made righteous. But I believe that is a choice. I believe I don't believe that Jesus died for just a few select, but I believe that just as the curse was admitted, omitted on all of us, I believe that the gift of Christ is for all of us, but not everyone will choose Christ. And so as a result, like if we look back at John 316, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So verse 17, it lets us know that Christ didn't come to condemn the world. Now, there's. Some who teach that Christ only came for a select few of people. Um, and so that would mean that he came to condemn the other people that he didn't come to die for. But that's not what the Bible says. It lets us know in verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so with that, I do believe that God loves everyone equally, 
but not everyone is going to receive the gift of Christ. Uh, verse 18 says, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so what, in other words, I believe that there are people who throughout history and in the, in the hist in the future to come that will actually reject God's love just to embrace his wrath or to experience his wrath. And so for that, um, I don't believe that God loves everyone equally because not everyone receives the free gift of Christ. So the next one is I would date someone who isn't Christian. Uh oh. I would date I am married. I've been married for almost 10 years to a Christian man. For me, what I feel in the Bible that God describes as a Christian family is two people, husband and wife, who are devoted to serving the Lord together. And we need somebody to come alongside us who is helping us to pursue our purpose and our calling in Christ. It's totally possible and often happens that people of different religions or someone who's a Christian and that doesn't have a religion at all are able to still work together and are able to still help people grow in their faith. I totally agree that I could learn from non-Christians, even benefit from relationships with Muslims, Buddhists, or other non-Christians, but the Bible is specific about not being yoked in marriage to unbelievers. Whether you're a Muslim, Christian, or a Buddhist, and you find someone who doesn't share that, I think you're missing something core in that relationship, which won't work for any marriage. But the thing is, uh, when you break down so many of the major religions, a lot of the tenets are the same, and we kind of believe the same thing inherently. But that's where I disagree. I think we're very different yeah. in terms of what we believe. That we may have similar activities, like going to church or a mosque, but what I personally believe about Jesus is not shared with other yeah, religions. No one else agrees 100%. with that. So most of you guys know that I am married. I'll be celebrating. We'll be celebrating nine years coming up here in May. But I'll answer this question um, based off of the mindset that I had when I was single. And the, one of the first things that comes to mind when I hear the statement I would date someone who isn't Christian is second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14 through 15 that says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. What agreement has Christ with the false God below or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever anytime that and and while I was single as a uh, a single Christian I dated plenty of 
uh, girls who weren't Christians. And one of the things that I always found is every time I was in a relationship um, with a non-Christian, it began to take a toll on my walk with the Lord. I wasn't focused on praying anymore. I wasn't in my word like I should. Um, I was focused on what felt good to my flesh. Um, and it was because as a Christian, my my mindset should be on pleasing God. But because I was yoked or connected um, or in agreement with someone who wasn't a Christian, their goal wasn't to please Christ. And so that was uh, that was an instant conflict a lot of times or uh, an internal conflict between me choosing Christ or choosing my flesh, <laughs> because, you know, you know how how it is. We want what we want. And so back to the point that I made, um, I guess, when I responded to the uh, homosexual statement is, you know, as Christians, we can't fo follow our emotions. We have to deny ourselves and follow what is true and, and submit to God and submit to Christ, even when we don't have strength on our own. And so um, one of the another scripture that comes to mind is when Jesus says, how can two walk together lest they agree? And that that's something that's very important. Um, I think is self-explanatory. But one of here's one of the arguments that I always hear or I've heard in the past when it when this uh, statement or question or this statement is brought up in question form is is, well, we see a lot of Christians getting divorced. We see Christians get divorced all the time. And that's 100 percent true. But I my response to that is all a lot of times my response to that is you can be a Christian and and not honor Christ in a particular area of your life. So in other words, I can be Christian or you can be married to a Christian and your marriage not be built on Christian principles. Um, for example, a Christian principle like love, the Bible talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, patience, kindness, gentleness. Well, if those things aren't existent, aren't existent in your marriage, it doesn't matter if you profess to be a Christian, if you're not putting in Christian practices in your marriage, if the two aren't in agreement in that marriage. And so that's my response to that. The next statement is I am waiting to have sex till marriage. I wish I could be over there, but I can't. Um, unfortunately, I made some bad decisions when I was younger. The people that I've been with prior, there's always a piece of me with them, you know what I mean? Like it's something I can never get back. It kind of bums me out a lot because <laughs> it's like I wish I could have saved myself all the way until marriage um, in all aspects of physical relations. 
As far as sex goes, I mean, that ship already sailed, but I do think that as a Christian, I should be dating to find someone to be with long-term or finding someone to marry. And so part of that does involve sometimes waiting a little bit longer, waiting longer to like have sex and to like really be intimate. So I personally am actually not even kissing until I get engaged, which a lot of people don't believe me about, but I had a two-year relationship and I promise it happened and yeah, it was you're hard. Strong, girl. I didn't particularly like it, but I just find so much strength and closeness to God in preserving my physical expression of love for people. Even though it's very, very far from easy, it's something I'm so excited for. To be able to tell that person, I saved this, the most intimate part of myself for you because God was the only one who had a key to my heart before this. So I think the Bible is clear about this you know we can get into talking about what we feel and how much we love a person but the bible is clear uh in first corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 it says flee fornication uh, that means to run <laughs> you know every other sin a person commits is outside the body but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And I believe one of the reasons why it says we sin against our own body is because we're literally um, um, giving our body to someone else. When in verse 19, it says, do you not know that your body is is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, you are not your own. So in other words, our bodies, our body doesn't belong to us when we are, when we're a Christian, our body belongs to the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe in soul ties. I believe when you fornicate or, or sleep with someone, um, there are soul ties. And I, and I, and I want to be clear, I don't believe soul ties only form from sex, but I believe sex is one way that soul ties can form. Uh, and without me getting all deep into the soul ties, um, a soul tie is basically when you are joined with a person, not just physically, but spiritually. And so if a person is dealing with depression, you can actually begin to deal with depression when you yoke up with that person. You can begin to deal with their issues can become your issues um, and vice versa. And so I think it's important that we, again, we strive to please Christ and follow Christ above a culture and even our own will and emotions. The last one is if I died now, I would go to heaven. Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm a good person, but I'm saved by faith in Jesus Christ who forgives me of my sin. I know where I've placed my faith, and that's why I know where I'm going to go. I don't know. It's hard to know exactly what specifically is considered the biggest sins that will keep someone from going to heaven, especially for me when I haven't put as much thought into it as I should. 
Christianity is not about just making sure you're checking off all the boxes to go to heaven. I feel like that robs us of the heaven that's present here on earth. All I'm responsible for is doing my best every day and I pray that I do that every day and I think that's true for everybody. Everybody is just responsible for their best. I think the last thing that any person should do when answering this particular statement is to look at their own goodness. You know, a lot of times when you ask people, are they going to heaven um, or are they in good standing with God? One of the first things that the majority of us do is we begin to talk about the good things that we do. And the reality is that our righteousness is but filthy rags, as the Bible says, in God's eyes. And there's no amount of good that any of us could do to earn our way into heaven. If that was the case, why did Jesus have to come and die on the cross for our sins if we can earn our way into heaven by our good deeds? The Bible says that in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. So we can't earn our, our, own, our salvation so that no one may boast. See, if we could work our way into heaven, we get the credit. But none of us can do that. It is solely in the work of Jesus. And the good news about um, Christ coming is that Christ is not just and Christ isn't a, a option to God. He is the the only option to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father. Or in other words, no man comes into heaven. But by me, I'm the door. Um, Jesus says, I am the door to heaven. If if anyone tries to come any other way, he is a thief and a robber. And so the Bible is very specific about this specific statement. And it kind of sums up like this is the reason why Christ came. Christ came because he's the only answer. We had no hope. We had no no chance, no savior. And he came and he the the good news of the gospel is that Christ didn't just die for us, but he also lived for us. He endured the temptations that we endure uh go through. The Bible says he was tempted in all manners as we are tempted yet without sin. And so we can come boldly uh, before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and favor in the time of need. That's uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, I believe through 16. Uh, so be encouraged, guys. Make if you are if you consider yourself to be a Christian and you've listened to some of these statements and say, you know what, my mindset is off concerning some of these things. I would encourage you to examine yourself to see if you are truly a Christian or just a counterfeit Christian. And listen, 
we don't I'm I'm not condemning you. No one has the right to condemn you. But when you when when something when you see something about yourself, when you become aware um, of some of of something about yourself that is not pleasing to God, that is actually a blessing um, because you're 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 no longer blind. And it is a sign that God is calling you to himself. That is a form of conviction. And so I praise God when when whenever I see parts of myself or things um, about myself that isn't necessarily pleasing to God or or things about myself that are grieving to the Holy Spirit. I praise God because I want to just please God. And in the Bible says this because a lot of times when we go through these type of questions or statements a lot of times condemnation tries to set in we we feel we feel very shameful about ourselves we feel unworthy and listen the truth is we've the bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of god i've sinned and falling short of the glory of God. None of us is worthy. Jesus is who makes us worthy. And so he shed his blood for us that to wash away our sin, to cover us in his blood as the sacrifice for, for sin. And so when we trust in him, when we trust in his finished work on the cry on the cross, when God looks at us, he no longer sees our our guilt and our shame. He no longer see sees our sin. He sees the finished work of his son. So trust in the Lord. Don't condemn yourself. The Bible says in first um, John chapter three, verse 20, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. So don't look to your heart. Look to God. Look to his grace, look to his love, look to his forgiveness. And it's available for you right now. I pray that you receive this. And listen, I pray that this show was a blessing to you. Um, listen, make sure you subscribe to the Path of Revelation podcast. If you know someone who, who this show can bless, man, share the show. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you go to pathofrevelationnow.com. Leave your prayer requests, suggestions for future shows. Make sure you download and stream our last album, The Peculiar, which is available on all digital outlets. Also, my my singles are available right now. Um, I have two singles out from my upcoming album. The first single is Mocking Word. The second one is Denial available on all digital outlets just look up gabriel parker and it should pop up on on your digital uh stores or however you listen to music but listen thank you guys for tuning in to the path of revelation podcast and this is where the culture meets scripture